Homeschooling, it's not just for scary religious people anymore. Next on FixItNow.com radio. FixItNow.com, Samurai Appliance Repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. FixItNow.com, Appliance Repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, FixItNow.com. And we're back. Samurai Appliance Repairman here, and I've got Mrs. Samurai here with me. Hello. So, we're going to talk about something a little different tonight, as we seem to do when it's you and I together doing these things. We like to just go where the flow takes us, what we like to talk about. Yeah, well, you know, talking about purely appliance repair-related things is good material for me to do alone. Mm -hmm. But you bring a lot more... Well, life. Life, culture, lifestyle. Yeah, a lot, lot more... Um, enhancements to it. A lot of other things to talk about besides appliance repair. And so today we're going to talk about homeschooling. Yeah, something we've been doing a long time. How long have we been doing it now? I think we're in our 12th year. 12th year. We have three kids. Just to give people a little background information, we have three kids. Our oldest is, how old is Ivy now? She'll be 20 this year. Wow. So we've got, we've got, our oldest is already in her second year in college. Mm -hmm. And our next in line is what like a junior he would be with the equivalent of a junior in high school if he were in the government indoctrination camp as we affectionately call public schools yes public school being a uh, euphemism for government indoctrination camp because that's kind of what they are that was my experience in them anyway and i grew up in the government indoctrination camps well government is in charge of it it is government run so and and you are learning a statist party line yeah so um Right off the bat, if you're hearing things you don't like, uh, there might be a lot of people tuning out, or we might be striking a chord with people, and they might be tweaking their ears a little bit to listen to what we have to say. So, yeah. and I, you know where we're coming from. We have a point of view. Yes, and I do want to say that although we're very critical of the uh, government schools, we're not critical of all the people who send their kids there because lots of people don't feel like they have a choice. Nor are we critical of a lot of people who work in that system, because I think a lot of teachers who work in the government camps are there for the best of reasons, and at least they start out that way, and thinking they're really going to make a difference in the world and help kids, and then they don't realize what an awful system they're getting in. John Taylor Gatto has talked a lot about this, has written many books on this, New York Public School award-winning teacher. But anyway, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We wanted to talk about why homeschooling, and actually that, that was kind of fitting into it. Uh, Why do we homeschool? Well, part of it is so that kids are not getting just the statist party line. What do we mean by that? Let's unpack that a little bit. The statist party line. Well... Sounds kind of rhetoric type talk, but it's really not. It's descriptive. There's a lot of... um, Well, history is a subject that comes to mind that's... History's a great example. ...influenced by propaganda and um, misconceptions that always, uh, after time has gone by, after an event has occurred, and I mean, lots of 20th century events certainly fall into this category, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of revisiting that by historians. Um, Documents become declassified, you know, information, people have more time to sift through it and 
put things together. Well, a recent example, the the Vietnam War. I mean, you know, we've got to stop the communist incursion and the the the, the, the red wave creeping across Asia. This was all the line. I was right. old enough to remember all of this stuff. And and then it turns out that the whole Gulf of Tonkin incident that was used as the pre as the pretense for going to war there was actually a contrived event. It in fact never happened. Right. It never really happened. There was no firing on naval ships in the Gulf of Tonkin. Right. And um, it was completely fabricated story. Um, a another event that actually happened after that was the um, uh, attack on the USS Liberty by Israeli forces. Under, again, under President Johnson's orders, because he was trying to get a war going with Egypt, and in fact ordered neighboring ships around the USS Liberty, he was traveling in convoy, to not assist while the Israeli, while this went on for six hours, bombing the USS Liberty, killing U.S. sailors. To this day, it is not talked about, although the documents to it are all declassified, and there's many websites out there, go bing on USS Liberty. This is an example of how history is written with a certain point of view at the outset in order to implant a propaganda into people's brains and, and, and get the population uh, behind a certain politically correct agenda or politically expedient agenda. And in fact, when then you go look at it later after documents have been released, then you realize, oh, it was all a crock. It was all a lie or it was a misdeception, it was a misdirection. Right, and so um, there's there are a, other examples too. World War II. Sorry to interrupt, but oh, World there's War a II, ton. It goes on back all through the 20th century, as you mentioned. Well, even before too, with uh, our treatment of the uh, American Indians. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of that was not publicized because, you know, the the powers that be had a certain image they wanted people to have of America. Well, I mean, even just the propaganda even goes to the words that they use. For example, in American Indians, they'll they'll use words like. Oh no, it's politically correct to call them Native Americans. I'm sorry, I'm a Native American. Okay, I was born in the country called America. There was no country called America when the American Indians, even that's kind of a misnomer, ruled this land. And so it's, it's incorrect to call them Native Americans. Words mean things. Mm -hmm. And so there's an example of how they lie with words. Right. So I'm sorry, I got anyway, you off track on yes, going. Well, that okay. was an example of of uh, you know, Native Americans and and the American Indians and how they were treated by the federal government and uh, betrayed and and you know, all of that was covered up. You know, we had, they had to be made out to be savages and aggressors and all this stuff. When in fact, we were the aggressors right. and we were the reneggers and we were the the and that that's renege. I was not saying the N word, by the way. Um, oh, right. oh, gosh. Well, there are people who, with limited vocabularies, who would misinterpret what I said. It's right. just part of my vocabulary, so I wanted to be very clear on that. We're we're not racists. We're not. We don't hate people. We're not haters here. No. So anyway, the I, in fact, just a slight while we're on this little tangent, in high school, studying uh, our treatment of the uh, American Indians is when I first started feeling that that disconnect in my brain as I was trying to match what I was learning with the all the patriotic information I'd been taught about our country and how we were the good guys and we did everything good and it, it almost made my head hurt trying to figure that out. I still remember that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to homeschooling in terms of... Um, 
one of the reasons we like to homeschool is that we can access current history that's being written. It's called revisionist history, which some people think revisionist is a, a derogatory term, but it's not. It's revising it to correct it, to bring that, in all this extra information that's been that recently we now have. made. To, right, that's, that, this right. new information that's been recently come to light. Uh, for example, declassified documents that the government itself ha- they will. Cl- for example, Kennedy's assassination, inside job. But you know, we've got to make it out to be the lone nut case, just like with the whole Oklahoma City bombing with the lone, lone nut case, Timothy McVeigh, inside job there as well. But and the Kennedy assassination, those documents are sealed for fifty years. Same with the Oklahoma City bombing. Those documents are declassified for, I forget what the time period is on that, but the, then they will eventually become declassified, and the real scoop will come out that it will, it will turn out to be it was an inside job, a false flag attack, in order to distract people and discredit the growing patriot movement in the country that was going on at the time. Right. So, most school textbooks are very behind the times on uh, absorbing... Deliberately the- behind the times. Perhaps, perhaps not. I mean, things move slowly. Schools can't afford to buy new textbooks often. Um, Well, and even the whole process of writing the textbooks has to go through this whole committee. And by the time the the product is finished, it is so politically correct and so bland and and denuded of any kind of anything that could be controversial. That's why most kids dislike history, something that should be one of the more interesting things to study. Right. Uh, th- those textbooks are usually so dull, unless you have a, an exceptional teacher, which doesn't happen all that often, too, unfortunately. The exceptional ones um, don't last long in the system. The system tends to drum out and squash out the exceptional teachers. Right. So let's move through a few more of the reasons we like homeschooling, though, because yeah. that's just one of them. And I'd say any reason that anybody typically says they like about homeschooling applies to us. Well, I mean, there's so many things. Here's the question I would ask. I mean, people ask me, will sometimes ask me, why do you homeschool your kids? I would turn it around and go, why do you send your kids to a government camp? I mean, how did that become the normal paradigm that you would take your kids and send them off at six in the morning, put them on a bus in many cases, and send them off to some segregated central camp where they're segregated by age in, in a classroom of 20 to 30 kids, and they're, they're taught, who knows what they're really taught. I mean, a lot of times they come out, they're functionally illiterate, they're very sensitive idiots, but oh, they're, they're very sensitive and politically correct. They know all about Earth Day. They know all about carbon footprints, but they can't really do math. They can't compose sentences. They can't speak well. They've got a, a vocabulary, vocabulary of about 20 words. So we're putting out, we're not really doing them a service, but we are doing a serv- service of making a, a uh, malleable and controllable populace. And that, I think, goes back to how the current model of government schooling got started. You want to tell us about that and the, the whole Prussian model? Well, I don't know a lot off the top of my head. Oh, I have read a lot of this. Okay, but well, the whole model just... comes from... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it, it was the, the early... Um movers and shakers in the the government school movement in this country, which was started in the 19th century. and and What goes before that? If I could back up just a bit, it it was imported from Prussia. In the 19th century. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Horace Mann was involved at some point. This is all documented really, really well by John Taylor Gatto. I didn't 
get the book out so I could tell you exact dates. This but, is not controversial, by the way. This is these are all facts. Right, these right. These are facts that are that are look upable. Just go use the search engine Bing, and you'll find them. But the Prussians had developed this model of schooling uh, in order to create a semi-literate, reasonably literate uh, masses that would function well in a military-style structure. Or an industrial structure. And, right. and notice that it was deliberately semi-literate. Literate. They did not want creative thinkers. They did not want people who were able to synthesize information. And that is the goal of true education, to teach you how to think. And thinking means synthesizing information, taking disparate pieces of information, synthesizing them, and coming up with something new. This is not what our current education teaches. It's It's memorize, regurgitate, say the right words, okay, bing, off you go. Right. It's interesting that um, a component of classical education, the type of education that um, most people would have before government schooling started, included formal study of logic and rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, that Conspicuously absent these right. days. Now, I do want to back up a bit, and mm -hmm. uh, we're not just talking about public schools, though, because... We've chosen not to send our kids to private schools either, because private schools, even though they are much better in a lot of ways than most government schools, they still follow that same general model. I think there are those that will incorporate some more of the critical thinking, but you still have the age segregation, you still have the, uh, the social issues of just too many kids and not enough adults. The kids right. end up essentially kind of raising themselves. Well, and you end up with this Lord of the Flies situation. I mean, uh, what parent who doesn't have, who has a kid in the government camps, what parent has not dealt with the issue of bullying or drugs or uh, the, the sexual promiscuity that is so prevalent? And it's, it's, a, it's basically, it creates a sewer situation. Everything goes to the lowest common denominator. This is like a universe, it's a law of entropy in, in the fallen universe that we live in is that everything will go to its lowest energy state. In human society, that means culture will go to its most debased level. It, it doesn't, it's not like you put, it, put the good kids in with the bad and then that will raise up the bad kids. No, it just pulls down the good kids and, and, and everybody ends up with caca all over them. Although, I do have to say, I do know some kids who've gone through schools, or even some kids who homeschooled for a while and then, say, went back to high school, and those kids did all right. Some well, of them did. Both there, of us went through the government camps. Yeah. Um, there are things that, I mean, it didn't scar me for life, but there are definitely things I look back we could on have done, that were uh, such a waste of time. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, that's, and that's probably the biggest thing, too. That's the other point that, that should be brought out, is all of the time that is wasted in the government schools. It's just because they're there, they're learning basically to, to you must be in a certain place for a certain amount of time, Monday through Friday, and within these cinder block buildings, and you must be there. Regardless of whether or not you finished your work, you still have to stay there. Isn't this exactly how a lot of jobs function? They're not goal-oriented. They're, they're time-based. They're teaching you that you must, okay, go to the job, punch your clock, and you must be there. Even if you've met all your, your goals, your quota for the week, you've still got to stay there. Right. Um... Another thing that occurs to me, something I like about homeschooling that they have a hard time accommodating in any kind of school structure is allowing kids to really pursue their talents and interests. Um, instead, they tend to identify their 
the kids' weaknesses and just make them spend a lot of extra time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like, it just makes them hate the whole school environment even more. Why not emphasize what they're naturally good at? I give them some extra time and encouragement and space to really pursue uh, their passion, their talents, because this, they're not going to be able to once they start working. I mean, they've got limited time to be able to really right. um, dive into things. Well, it brings up something else, too. This is an interesting point, because, and it ties in with the fact that our whole apprenticeship and trade system in this country is dead. And and so, and the reason, one of the reasons for that, I think, is that the government schools are, are all so geared towards the academic track, getting kids on the college track. Oh, you got to go to college. Oh, really? Why? So you can get that degree in sociology and then what? Get $50,000 in debt and go work at Foot Locker? Uh, is that the plan? And who, who puts this out? Who promulgates this propaganda? Well, if you look at it, I would contend and submit to you that it is put out by Madison Avenue. The big bankers want exactly this. They want these kids going, getting, getting these uh, under these worthless degrees that they pay a lot of money for, that they come out of school with with a lot of debt, and they can't get jobs commensurate with the the degrees that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, who and you end up with a lot of boomerang kids, which is very common uh, in today's economy. So, but the problem is that schools don't really have a good trades and apprenticeship system, right. and it doesn't exist in the country much anymore. Uh, go try to find a good appliance tech or a good electrician, good plumber, particularly around here. I just did a call yesterday um, for for a fellow. Um, did a dryer repair for him. The bill was a little over two hundred dollars. Dryer was uh, getting too hot; needed three parts. I put them in. He about had a heart attack. Yet, he had just got finished telling me that, oh, he called around and nobody, there was nobody else around doing it and the next guy, the earliest that could come out would be Sears and that would be three weeks. Well, why is that, Captain Ron? I mean, the, these trades are not valued, so you don't have people who are worth their salt going into it. You don't have people who are nurtured from a young age to go into these trades. Now, compare to Germany. They start very early in their in their government school system with a whole trades and apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. The apprenticeship program is alive and well in Germany. They've got a very strong technical trades program going on there. Right. Of course, I the thought occurs to me too, though, that it used it didn't always used to be that just because you worked with your hands somehow that you still weren't intellectually curious and you still weren't pursuing uh, self education. Um, these are probably the days before television, for sure. But, you know, just because you go into a trade doesn't mean that... Um, doesn't mean your brain has to go into idle. I know. Well, Gary North talks and, about this in, in an article that he wrote, too, where tradesmen in this country are looked down upon. So if somebody knows... That you, so, you, so you run a successful appliance repair business, successful electrician business, whatever, and your neighbors know that, they will look down on you Then versus if you wore a suit and went to work wearing a suit. Even though you're you're making more money and having a better lifestyle running a trades-based business. So Gary North talks about this whole cultural perception of people who work with their hands that, you know, the, the, the irony is that they will look down on these people, yet they're, they're frustrated that they can't find good tradesmen. Right. <laughs> right. So. I definitely noticed that when uh, you started your appliance repair business. Umpteen years back? Yeah, many, many years ago, and I'd meet women. I got a much different reaction when I told them you were 
doing appliance repair, repair versus when you were an engineer. Yep, because I, I came out of the engineering world yep. and um, took a step up, saw the light. I think the, the re thing that really inspired me was, um, you know, I, I was an actual engineer, a degreed engineer, and uh, still am, actually. I still have the degree. Mm -hmm. as, worked <laughs> I as, haven't revoked it yet. <laughs> not yet. They may after this podcast. But uh, so worked as an engine, working as an engineer, and I was out on a job watching a refrigeration system that I designed, big ammonia refrigeration system at a Tombstone Pizza plant in Wisconsin, and I helped design it at um, at the engineering company that I was working at here in New Hampshire, and uh, so I was I'd flown out there to oversee and just inspect some of the installation, and I was talking with one of the pipe fitters. It's a union pipe fitter. It's all, it's, since it's ammonia, it all, everything has to be steel piping because ammonia corrodes copper. And I was talking with him about just his life and says, well, it's just a regular 40 hours and anything over that, he gets time and a half. And then, then it goes into double time on weekends and holidays. He's got a set number of breaks. Doesn't have to travel. I had to travel. And, uh, and he had a great life. And he, was, and he was making more money than me. So here he was, hmm, okay, making more money than me working less hours than me, didn't have to travel and fly like I did, and didn't have the expense of having gone to college. Instead, just did a trades program and uh, got, in, got into the union, had a great secure job in the union, and I thought to myself, who got sold a bill of goods here? Mm. And I think I had sucker written all over me. I saw the light then, and I realized I'm not going to be, you know, some pencil whip and engineer the rest of my life. That is not in my in the cards here. So that's that's when I started my business. That was the big inspiration for starting my trades business doing mm -hmm. appliance repair. Yep. And I I think you always had that drive. I know as you worked for an engineer or as an engineer, you just felt like you you weren't fixing things. You weren't you didn't have hands on. It was so much paper and it, it took paper. forever before yeah. you'd actually see the real thing you know, like designing a system. Um, there's just something rewarding about it's broken, now it works. And there's something because rewarding. I figured it out. Right, and there's something rewarding about working with your hands and putting your hands on things and fixing things. And it's not respected. But right. they, they were a little far afield because... A little bit, but I But think, it ties in. We were talking yeah. about this ties in with the whole government school system and its track and emphasis on the academic track. Right, and I... I do always appreciate it when I hear about the occasional school that has uh, more requirements for, you know, more practical coursework. Because typically um, college track kids aren't the ones who are taking shop or some of the other interesting things that are sometimes offered at schools. And it would be nice if they were combined more. And I see that, to try to bring it all back to homeschooling, yeah. I definitely see that in a lot of homeschooling families, um, that the kids are more exposed to just real real world skills depending on what their parents do um you know the kids often uh participate to some extent um and there's just less um compartmentalization in homeschooling so both learning itself becomes something you just kind of do all the time books are interesting if you think about something you can go online and research it it's not Mm -hmm. restricted to when you're in a certain building at a certain time or somebody tells you to do something. And so I, I think homeschoolers go on to be more lifelong self-learners than kids who go to schools. Which just, is another goal of education, teaching right. you how to use your brain and how to think for the rest of your life. It's just the beginning. It's just the start of thinking and learning. Right. 
they're also, since they're around the house more, they, they learn just things, how a house runs, how you do things around the house. How to balance a checkbook. If your parents have jobs that, you know, they work out of the home or have their own business, the kids are much more likely to be involved with it to a certain extent. And that in itself is an important education. Mm-hmm. So um, we're kind of running long here, but the, the last thing I was going to mention yeah, is the, the thing that most people are concerned about with homeschoolers is whether or not they're somehow properly socialized. And it's uh, possibly my favorite thing about homeschooling is the way that homeschool kids socialize. Well, I get, I get asked this a lot. People ask me, well, you know, I'll be like at a, on a service call or something, and I'll often take one of my sons with me. And, um, the, you know, a lot, a lot of times the question will come up, oh, what, what grade are you in, Sonny? And they'll say, well, I'm homeschooled. And they'll sort of, some people will look at you in shock, like turn, turn their face, look at me, oh, <gasps> Aren't you aren't you worried about socialization? Or, you, know, you could maybe say that more properly, socialization, and uh, and I say, oh, I've got that covered. We 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 do socialize them properly. I've got a I've got a system for them. Every morning, I drag each of them into the bathroom, lock the door, slap them around a little bit, uh, blow cigarette smoke in their face, offer them drugs, and uh, yell cuss words at them. Yeah, and then threaten them. Don't forget the threaten. Got to threaten them too. And uh, that just recreates the whole government school experience in the in the. Um, oh yeah, we're we're covering our bases. So we got them all covered, and the kids are getting well socialized. So don't worry about that. But so all joking aside. Yes. Um, well, they mix with people. Of it is funny the ages. reaction I get from people when I tell them that, though. Yeah. Well, it makes them think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What kind of socialization yeah. are they really getting at the it, schools? Tell me about the little brats you've seen. <laughs> Would you rather be around a kid who had predominantly just been around kids his own age, or a kid who was around his siblings, you know, a set of friends, their his parents, his parents' friends, um, you know, the the homeschool kids tend to socialize in groups that stretch in several dire- in both directions away from their own age and they do so pretty well um and one other interesting thing my our sons are both teenagers and they participate in a couple of different homeschool teen groups that just do social things together they go bowling or roller skating or things like that and there will sometimes be 50 to 70 teens at these events and the managers of the facilities, when my friend who organizes one of the groups, whenever she calls up and tells them she wants to bring 50 to 75 teens to their place, they're freaking out, thinking there's <laughs> going to be a lot of trouble. Yeah. As soon as we come That's funny. and they see our kids and how they have a great time, they're energetic, you know, they're, they're not, not trashing the place, but yeah, they're, they're not they're, starting fights, they're just having fun. And parents are there. The kids aren't embarrassed that their moms and dads are hanging around. Um, and then these places love to have us back because yeah. and they're just... And, and these aren't extraordinary kids in some fundamental way. They just... To me, that's normal. That's how kids should be. You know, I started the, the program um, with the, the intro about that homeschooling is not just for religious, scary religious people right. anymore. Why don't you just say really quickly about the homeschooling group that you're involved with the actually you're involved with two the mm-hmm. upper valley and the concord area right um homeschooling groups very diverse group of people and and just to to uh support the point that it's not scary religious people in fact if you look at the concord group it's like well both groups were part of surprisingly because there are a lot of religious homeschoolers we in fact are very 
involved with our church, and, and that's yet another side benefit that, you know, we'll sometimes have special weekday. But we're not scary. Well, at least, well, so. my beard's a little long you right do need now. A haircut. My, yeah, I my mean, hair's kind of wild looking right now. And... <laughs> but you're really just a sweetie at heart. Um, anyway, the uh, most of my kids' friends are not of our same faith. Um, many of them don't go to church at all. Varying political persuasions. It's oh, a real variety. I'm so they're surprised. definitely exposed I'm, to a lot of different... a lot of them in the Concord group. Anyway, that you've told me about, a lot of them are are what what would be considered liberal, very left wing liberal. Listen to NPR and uh, that whole left end of the statist spectrum. Spectrum. Right. They like everything about government except for their schools. Apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so which uh, that's a disconnect. That's interesting it. to me, but. Neither are we typically conservative, which a lot of um, that's, that's homeschoolers a, are. And that's a statist perspective, but on the right end of the spectrum. Right. And we don't fall into that, that two-dimensional spectrum. Yeah, we're, I, I, we don't like that, that false dialectic, the Hege, so-called so Hegelian dialectic, the, right. the controlled debate or the plantation. We're free-range humans. We're, we're off the plantation. Yep. And uh, that's what homeschooling does. It allows you to get your kids off the plantation and let teach them and t show them it's okay to think for yourself. It doesn't make them weird. It doesn't make them antisocial because we're neither of those things. And the, the studies, because homeschooling has been a growing movement since the 80s, so there's plenty of homeschool graduates, many of whom are now having kids of their own. And um, studies have been done, and these kids did well in college. If they went to college, they are more likely to have jobs. They're more likely to be involved in their communities. Um, all the news is good so far on, yeah. on homeschool graduates. As mentioned, our, our daughter's a second-year college student. Our, yeah, she's done really well. If you, if you um, see going to college as a measure of success, which, as we've talked about, is uh, dubious. Mm -hmm. But I say she's done well in the sense that she's made really good life choices. And she's making so good far. grades. Yeah, I mean, she does. She's very yeah, she's responsible. Got a scholarship and dean's list and all that happy stuff. Yep, yep. So we probably ought to wrap it up, but Let's we are going to talk more about homeschooling. Yeah, the particulars. Next, we've got like four parts planned. This is the first of we we're thinking right now about four parts. This one was on why homeschooling, mostly talking about why, just giving that that introducing the paradigm change because it is a paradigm shift for a lot of you listening who are taught that oh well my kids of age he's got to be in school i mean it's it's the law uh the, it, you can homeschool oh it, the it, law is just they have to be educated right but no, you you can homeschool your kids yeah uh, in every state in the u.s it varies in terms of how much rigmarole they put you through but you can homeschool your kids in every state in the u.s right so um the next one we're going to talk about is how do you homeschool? The resources that are available yeah. to uh, people, parents who would who are interested in homeschooling their kids, um, it's not as hard as you think. And in fact, there are a lot it, compared to 12 years ago or wh however long when we started it. Um, it's much easier now. The, the the amount of resources that you have out there now very inexpensive too. Yes, you'll still have to pay property taxes if you have a house to support the government schools. That's extortion. That's force. They've got a gun to your head, shaking you down for that money. There's nothing you can do about that until the law changes. But it doesn't mean it's going to cost you an equal amount of money to homeschool your kids. I think you'll be surprised 
pleasantly surprised at how little it can cost to do a very good job homeschooling your kids and do a, a better job, more efficient job, and more creative job at homeschooling your kids than, than the government camps could ever do educating, quote, educating your kids. Yep. So, stay tuned for next time, and until then, this is Samurai Appliance Repair, Repairman. And Mrs. Samurai. Saying sayonara. Fixitnow.com. Samurai Appliance Repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance Repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com.